where the Apostle Paul is addressing the elders from the Ephesian church. And he believes this will be the last time that he is going to see them. And so he gives them a special address and we broke it up into three parts. We talked about how Paul began by reviewing the past. He talked about the motive and the manner and the message of his ministry while he was there. And then we talked, number two, the testimony of the present, where Paul gave about six different pictures of a minister, six different descriptions of how we should function as um, wholehearted believers. But now this last Roman numeral, Paul winds down his discourse, and we're calling it a warning about the future. So if you would, Acts 20, beginning in verse 28, Paul writes to the elders, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31, that's where we'll be beginning tonight. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine supply my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we're going to focus in on the warning about the future. Now, we're in the last sub-point of this heading, and we've talked about, Paul starts out, look out for the dangers around you, the false teachers and the false teachings. That was verse 29. Then he talks about the dangers among us. Not just false teachers out there. He says there's some from within us that are going to rise up with selfish ambitions and selfish motivations. And they're going to bring division and they're going to sow discord. And then lastly, Paul is going to deal with the dangers within us. And that's where we're focusing tonight, verses 31 through 35. And Paul's going to give these five warnings. Really, he names five sins that are especially destructive for the leader. Five sins that are destructive to the ministry and to the life of spiritual leaders in the church of God. And we can look at five of them. He's going to talk about looking out for carelessness. Carelessness, verse 31. And then in verse 32, shallowness. Shallowness. Shallowness sometimes is in high demand in the modern church. And then covetousness. Covetousness. That's verse 33. Look out for the materialism. Look out for... And then verse 34, we'll see the laziness, laziness. Very easy to be slothful in the present hour. And then verse 35, selfishness, selfishness, better to give than to receive. So let's begin. Verse 31, carelessness. Verse 31, Paul says, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. All right. He's talking about the spiritual leaders. He's saying, be alert and be vigilant. And take your job and your duty as leaders, as ministers, very seriously. Because you've been entrusted with something very precious. So verse 31, careless, careless. Failing to stay alert. We have to remember that it's our, it's our duty and responsibility as leaders to be alert, to be vigilant. 
to carry out our function as heads and as protectors and providers, etc. So failing to stay alert and forgetting or failing to remember the price others have paid so that we might have God's truth. He says, don't, don't forget the lessons you've learned, the examples you've had from others. Don't forget the things that have been entrusted to you through ministers and those teachers you've had in the past. And so again, carelessness. He says, look out, don't be careless, but be diligent. Leaders need to look out for carelessness. It's very easy to, uh, to get very casual in our Christianity. Don't be um, careless in your Christianity. Be responsible in your Christianity. And look at 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. For example, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. And Paul says, be on your guard. Stand firm in, in the faith. When you see the faith, that's typically when the Bible's talking about proper doctrine. If it just said faith, it would mean our ability to believe. Faith would be my ability to believe. But the faith, it's speaking of the basics of the Bible, the unnegotiable, unwavering, compromising truths of Scripture. Be on your guard. Stand firm in proper doctrine and teaching. Know your Bible. Be men of courage, because it takes courage to deal with things. Amen? It's so much easier to compromise. It's so much easier just to uh, make believe you didn't see it. But be on your guard. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Stand on proper doctrine. Be men of courage. Be strong. And he says, of course, do everything in love. Walk in love. You can walk in love and still be firm. Just because you walk in love doesn't make one weak. You can walk in love and not be abrasive. You can walk in love and still be uncompromising in the areas that Scripture clearly says we must be uh, uncompromising. Um, go ahead, if you would, now to, to Luke 12 and 1. Luke 12 and 1. The first danger, the first characteristic that we have to watch ourselves is we can become careless and casual in our Christianity. We, we, it's easy to get lazy. It's easy to get a little tired. And then we let down our guard and we, don't, we fail to function in the proper measure of wholehearted devotion. And those that have been entrusted to us pay the ultimate price of that. So Paul says, don't be careless, but be vigilant, be diligent. Be on your guard for proper doctrine. Be on your guard in this day of so much false and so much half-truths that you know the faith, the faith. If you remember last time, again, these, these, um, these lessons are kind of connected. Paul, we read, Paul said, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Amen? Guard yourself so you can guard those entrusted to you. Watch your life and your doctrine. So here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, be alert, guard the faith. Make sure you're standing firm for the Bible. But now we see Jesus gave us a warning, not just the faith, but the lifestyle that you allow around you and the lifestyle that you address or don't address. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, I love that, only Jesus. You know, usually when there's a big crowd, people water it down, but you don't want any of them to leave. Jesus had a big crowd, and he turned it up a notch, but he knew you had to clean the thing out. It's just an interesting way that Jesus had that sometimes we don't have no more. Amen. Jesus began, he spoke first to his disciples. And Jesus would speak different to those that are wholehearted followers than those that are just out in the crowd just kind of checking things out. People in different stations get different messages. But he says, be on your guard. Here it is. Be alert against the yeast. 
of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, you know what? These Pharisees got, 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 got their, their doctrine and their degrees, and they went to all the proper schools, but their lifestyle is hypocritical. Because they're saying one thing, they're agreeing with proper doctrine, but then they're gossiping like... You know, but, but, but then they're, they're, they have no mercy. And then they're just easy to judge everyone else. So he says, on one hand, be on your guard. Don't be careless when it comes to doctrine. This is a lot easier to water things down. It makes it easier and everyone's happy. But secondly, not just doctrine. Some people are very firm on their doctrine, but they're not so firm on their living. And that says those Pharisees, I mean, they came from all the best universities. They studied the schools and they knew all the scriptures and they could quote you this and they could quote you that. But they're like whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside, but on the inside. So he says, be on your guard. Against hypocrisy, but it's like yeast. If you allow hip- moral hypocrisy in your life, that begins to spread. If you allow it long enough, first you're okaying it, then before you know it, you start doing it. You've you got to keep a firm. The first thing that he says as a leader, check your heart that you're not careless, but that you're diligent and you're vigilant and you're responsible to carry out your duties. Doctrinally, morally, lifestyle. And he says here in, the, in verse 31, be on your guard. And then he says, remember for three years, I never stop warning each of you night and day with tears. It's very interesting there. He says, watch. New King James says, watch. NIV says, be on your guard. But he also says, remember. Remember. Now the words we need to focus on. Watch and, and remember. It's so easy to forget the toil and the tears of those that have gone before us. It's so easy. I should have known that. Yeah, you should have known that. But you forgot the lessons of your spiritual forefathers. You forgot the lessons you learned in Sunday school. But sometimes because they're no longer taught. Sometimes because they've been like truth laying down in the streets that Isaiah would prophesy about. Certain things we had left the Pentecostal church. Certain things that we used to passionately go for and faithfully stand for, have fallen along the wayside. Someone has forgotten the faith of our fathers. Someone has forgotten what they learned from those that were over us in the Lord that trained us and taught us. Look, if you would, Hebrews 13 and 7. Hebrews 13 and 7. As Paul says, remember those that have toiled. and Remember the tears of those that have labored. Remember the lessons they gave you. Remember the example they gave you. Remember, of course, the lives and how they lived. Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember your leaders. Remember those that taught you. Remember those that trained you. Remember those that discipled you. Remember those that brought you up in the Lord. Who spoke the Word of God to you. Remember the lessons. Remember the example. And consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. Certain lives their faith is worthy to imitate. Don't forget the good examples you've had that have challenged you in your faith. That have encouraged you in your faith. Get around people that make you better in God. Get away from people that drag you down in God. Get around people that stir you up. Get around people that challenge your faith. I, the people I love to read are the ones that, when I get done reading a chapter, I've got to make an altar somewhere, but they've challenged me 
to live for eternity. They've challenged my faith to believe God and trust God and to live like what we say we really believe. Remember your leaders. Interesting verse, isn't it? Remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God. Do you remember the lessons they taught you? Remember the sermons they preached to you. And consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. I like that. Imitate their faith. Remember. Remember. Paul says, remember. For three years I never stopped teaching, warning you. Night and day. Look at Proverbs 6, 20-23. Proverbs 6, 20-23. This is an interesting one. But again, we're talking about those that have raised us in the faith. The leaders we've had. Let's not forget them. But let's be challenged by them. Let those that come behind us call us faithful. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. That's pretty good. I mean, maybe you didn't have the best father. Have you had spiritual fathers? Remember, keep your father's commands. Don't forsake the mother's teaching. Mothers in the faith taught you that word, taught you how to live, taught you how to behave. Don't forget those things. Some things are taught, some things are caught. Some things are, we're taught by we hear the lesson. Some things we're taught as we see the life. My son, keep your father's commands. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart. Fasten them around your neck. Remember them. My mind constantly, when something comes up, how did Brother Veach do it? How did Pastor Veach handle that? What did Brother Shambach say in that situation? Challenges me. I can hear their voice sometimes just speaking to me. Because I've seen them and I've been with them so long. These men, these giants, there were giants in the land in those days. When you walk, they'll guide you. Woo! When you sleep, they'll watch over you. Isn't that wonderful? When you awake, they'll speak to you. They'll speak to you. They'll speak to you. I can remember very young in ministry. Certain things going on in the church. And I'm dealing with this, that, and the other thing. And God would move on me. I said, Pastor Veach, I could hear his voice saying, Son, I could hear him speaking advice and converse. I could just see him. And I'd move on that. And so many times people, Pastor, if you didn't call, this was going to happen. This is, And it was just, again, they'll speak to you. If you have some good mentors in your life, thank God for those mentors. Remember the lessons they taught you. Remember the example they gave you. We need to take this thing deeper, not less. Paul's warning leaders about carelessness. Because if we're carelessness in our lives, if we're carelessness in our duty, those that have been entrusted to us will pay the price. You know, you can go to some churches and if you preach, they look at you like three heads. I say, my Lord, how do you like that? How far have we come than in a Holy Ghost church? I mean, preaching seems foreign. Amen? We, we've gotten so beyond a declaration and an anointing in certain areas that it's, it, it's sad. It's sad, but we have forgotten the faith of our fathers. We are not remembering the leaders of the past. We have forgotten the lessons they taught us and the examples they've given us. Oh, let's not be careless. Paul's warning and weeping should be constant reminders to us to take our spiritual responsibilities seriously. Our duties, our diligence, our devotion. 
In fact, you know, most of us are familiar. Hebrews 12 begins, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that have run the race before us. That's Hebrews 12.1. And it's pointing to, obviously, Hebrews 11, which that whole chapter is one example after another example of those that have gone before us and the example of their faith, whether it's dying for the faith or taking giants down in the name of faith. Amen? While there's receiving promises of faith or it's just merely bringing justice to the nations by faith. And again, as believers, we need to never forget those that have gone before us and those that have poured into our lives. Let's remember them. Let's carry it on to the next generation. That word warn, Paul writes here, be on your guard. Remember that for three years and never stop warning each of you. That that word warn or admonished, it's a word that means on one hand giving advice and warning at the same time. Counseling with warning. I'm counseling. You ever do that? Counsel with warning. We do it all the time with our kids, don't we? You try to give them good advice, but you always put a little bit of warning in there. Amen. Hey, this is serious. You're trying to give them the best advice, right? And if they don't look at, hey, 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 this is, hey, this is what will happen if you miss it. Paul's doing that here. We notice that Paul, he warned everybody. Look at it says here. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you. He warned them all. You've been saved a hundred years. I'm going to warn you. Finish strong. It's not how you start. You've got to finish strong. Amen? If you're young in the faith, I'm going to warn you. Don't get cocky. That devil wants to take you back. So you stay strong in God. Keep marching in the Lord and go forward from faith to faith. Amen? I warn everyone. The devil's out there. It's a day of lax of days ago. Lay it to see in church. It's a day of deception. And if we're not firm, more people that used to love God's house, you never find them in church no more. Folks, I'm telling you, the hearts of men are growing cold in these last days. And we need to be warned that there's a spirit of slumber coming upon many. Oh, my goodness. He warned everyone. He warned them day and night. He warned them constantly. He warned them continually. Didn't he say that? Look at Paul. See, Paul, man, they would have voted him out. They voted him right out. He's bugging us too much. They're bugging us. You know what? He didn't come to the fish fry. And, but you know, instead, he said he calls to pray. And he gets on our case if we don't show up to pray. And Paul says right there, I, I never stop warning each of you night and day. Night and day. Paul said, this is so serious. I had a warning day and again, day and again, day and again. And he says, with tears. He warned everyone. He warned them constantly, continually, and he warned with tears. There is a real compassion and a real concern in the heart of the man of God. Amen? I'm telling you. I know some of you men of God that have been places. After you leave a place, after you pour your life and your guts into a place, and then you look back five years later and hell hit it. Isn't that right? Breaks your heart. You, you, you weep. Twenty years later, you weep. You hear news. You hear. You, you, you break your heart when you're poured in. And so that remind. Next time you're there, keep 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 pressing it. Keep pressing it. Don't take anything for granted. Keep pressing it. The devil's on the loose. There's always some. Oh Lord, have mercy. Number one, carelessness. If you're going to be a good leader, you can't be careless. You can't be careless about your own walk with God. You can't be careless about carrying out the duties that God has entrusted to your life. It's a very important thing to be in any kind of leadership. I mean, as a parent, as a Sunday school teacher, as any kind of minister, be diligent, carry out your duty, be responsible. Be careful, not careless, when it comes to the things of God. Stay firm in the Word of God. Stay firm in the lifestyle we're supposed to live. And remember those that have come into your life that have taught you, 
that have challenged you, that have mentored you. Remember their lessons. I hear it now. How many years was it you guys had Brother Joe out there in Michigan? You're still quoting him. My goodness. You guys been been saved now 70 some odd years, right? Living for God all these years. Still quoting your pastor. He's been dead. He's been with Jesus. I mean, you're still quoting him. Still remembering the lessons. That's how it's supposed to be, folks. That's how it's supposed to be. Amen? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah! Don't be careless. Stay sharp. Stay alert. Fulfill your calling. Secondly, there's carelessness. And then Paul warns them about a shallowness. A shallowness. Verse 32, Paul says, Now I commend or now I commit you to God. Through prayer and intercessions, I commit you to God. I lift you up before God. Call your name before the throne. Commit you to God and to the word of His grace. I like that. The word of His grace. Amen. That's a good word. The word of His grace. Which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The warning here is against shallowness because we can't build the church unless God is building us. And Paul says, I'm going to commit you, commend you through my prayers and I'm going to put the word of God in you. Shallowness. We've got to look out for shallowness. I wrote this little note. I scribble in it as some are walking in. Shallowness sells in the church today. High emotion, low demand. That's the key. Isn't that the truth? Get more emotional, but get less and less as far as real getting to meat. We're shallow people. People don't like the meat of the word anymore. They, they consider it. Jesus said one time, you, you, my, my word's an offense to you. And many people that go to church find any kind of meat, any time you get beyond the pablum, they, they find it almost an offense. You see, their, their flesh starts crying out. You, you, you ever get a withdrawal from anything? I don't mean a heavy-duty thing, but I don't care if it's sugar or caffeine. You know, that, that flesh cries out when you don't have something that likes to be fed. Isn't that right? And, and when you begin to attack that flesh, when you begin to challenge people to live holy, challenge people to get all out for Christ, you see, when you start to take them into a place of depth and maturity instead of a shallow experience, oh, yeah. Have a lot of growing pains. Growing pains. Everybody remember growing pains? I never had a lot of them. I never grew a lot. But I remember when you're growing up, you get them growing pains. Amen? Sometimes those knees might hurt. Sometimes so you're growing. And they're growing pains if you want to grow in God. But you've got to go through that if you really want to mature. Shallowness. Notice how Paul, when he deals with how he's going to minister meat and maturity to the people of God, he's got two keys here. Watch the balance between prayer and the Word of God. The two work together. He says, I'm going to commit you and commend you to God. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call your name before God. I'm going to lift you up before that throne. And I'm going to give you the Word of grace that can build you and heal you and make you strong and make you mature and make you an overcomer in God. You can't separate those two. Amen? There's a dynamic duo if you want to see a maturing and a health and a vibrancy, look if you would at First Samuel twelve twenty three and twenty four. First Samuel twelve twenty three and twenty four. Because again, Old Testament, New Testament. 
that dynamic duo, prayer and the ministry of the Word. Amen? Those under you, if you want to take them beyond shallowness and bring them into a maturity, into a spiritual life and adulthood and strength, well, it's going to demand a prayer and it's going to demand the Word of God that builds men up and brings them into their inheritance in the Lord. Here's that great prophet Samuel. He's getting ready to step down. And, but he says, even though I'm going to kind of retire, I'm not going to stop praying. Amen? You can retire, but you never stop praying. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. If I fail to pray for you, I sin against the Lord. Samuel says, no, no, I'm going to pray for you. And I will teach you. The way that is good and right. He says, until my dying breath, I'm going to pray and I'm going to teach you. The prayer in the Word. If you want to get beyond shallowness, you've got to be men and women committed. Prayer in the ministry of the Word. If you want those around you to grow, it's good to have fun. It's good to do the little things. But sooner or later, prayer in the ministry of the Word. You don't have those? Forget it. You can have a shell. You can outwardly act it. You can know all the lingo. When your kids grow up in it, they know the lingo. It sounds real good. Without prayer and ministry of the Word, it's not here. It's not deep. It's not solid. It don't grow. Come on, say amen. Paul is warning leaders, don't be shallow. Because if you're shallow, you, all you produce is shallowness. It's very hard to give what you don't got. So you got to get it, amen? So that you can give it. And make sure what you give to those entrusted to you will help them grow and build them up and make them strong. Bring them into their inheritance. What's that? We got another verse. What's that next verse? Oh, yeah. But be sure to fear the Lord. And serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Isn't that a good verse? That's a good verse. I'll put that on a plaque. Be sure to fear the Lord. Serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. Amen? God's done good things. Has God done good things for you? He's done some good, great things for us. Amen? Consider those. Think about those. Meditate on those things. They'll bless you. They'll lift you up. He's balancing here. He's balancing here. These two things. These two things. Let me show you very quickly. Now, that was Old Testament. This is the New Testament pattern also. Go to Acts 6, verses 2 through 4. Acts 6, verses 2 through 4. And again, because it's not God's will that His church be a shallow church. It's His will that we mature and we grow in unity. We grow in character. We grow as a strong, healthy individual and congregation. And because of that, he set his leaders, he set them the commission of a priority, a prayer in the ministry of the Word. Other people have other functions. Other functions are very important. It doesn't make one better than the other, but they have a different job description. But God is very clear. To avoid the shallowness, my leaders must be men of prayer and ministry of the Word. Their priority. Because if they don't have that... Everything else they do will, will just be, uh, it'll be hollow. It'll be very lacking in the substance. Early church. The twelve gathered. All the disciples. They had a problem. 
there was a, a fight between Jewish widows and Greek widows, you know, not a, you know, a verbal thing, because one felt they were being cheated out of the food. You know, they're, they're feeding the widows, okay? And it was a real problem, and if it wasn't dealt with, it could have really caused something worse to happen. And you've got to address things, Amen. And they're in the midst of revival. And a lot of times you can be in a great move of the Spirit and something very natural, if it does not, uh, if it's not addressed, can really kill the thing, can really have a negative... So they knew it had to be dealt with. But they recognized that their particular calling in office, they had other things they had to take care of. So the Bible says it would not be right. It would not be right. Understand that. It would not be right. Now, some people think it would be holy. No, 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 no. It would not be right. Hallelujah. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Were you too good? No, not too good at all. But it would be sin because that's not your job. It would be sin because God has not ordained it that way. It would be sin because now the lesser things are taking you away from the more important things. And there's nothing more important than prayer and ministry of the Word in the office of that person. So, brothers, you choose seven men who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We're not, we're not talking just get, you know, schmucks. You get, get some good, solid men. They can handle responsibility. Spiritual men. Amen? Spiritual men. Got the spirit in them. And we'll turn this responsibility. See, they're, we're going to give it to them. Because we know this needs to be dealt with properly. So get some good men to do it. But we can't do it. Because our main prior, our call from God, our commission, we must be prayer and minister the word. Because if we miss it there, we'll miss everything else. We won't be good for anything else. And we will give our attention to prayer and minister the word. To stay away from shallowness. Leaders must be number one. You can't be shallow yourself. You've got to spend quality time prayer in the Word. A lot of things need to be done, but there's a lot of people that can do them. And everyone finds their place and they do them. But this is the one that we can't neglect. We continue on. The Word of God is able to edify and enrich us. I like this, how Paul writes, Now I commit you to God and to the Word of His grace, which can build you up. The Bible can build you up. The Word of God can make you whole. The Word of God can heal hearts and renew minds and transform lives. The Word of God is able. Let, let's, let's, number one, let's not eat spiritual junk food. And let's not give out spiritual junk food. Amen? To avoid a shallowness. Now, I'll tell you something. I had one of the best, I'm going to tell you something, one of the best youth pastors I ever had in my life. He passes up in the panhandle now. Man of God. He, he was probably, in a lot of ways, very unyouth pastor like. He, he was, you know, he was younger than me at the time I hired him, and, um, but he acted like sometimes he was 20 years older than I mean, he carried, always carried older, always well dressed, I mean, always three piece suit. And he was very, very, but you know, he's not standing on his head, you know, and, but his youth group. He sent more kids to Bible school. We saw more fruit out of that than I've seen any youth pastor I've ever had. He didn't play a lot of games, and he spoke to him like a father, you know. And he would he talk with them, and he'd engage their minds as well as you know. I'm just saying, man, he wasn't into shallowness. You see, he knew shallowness wasn't where it was at. 
there's a time for all. They did the pizza parties. They did all that stuff. They had their fun. But when it came to Wednesday night, their, their message is probably as intellectual as ours. They, they just give them both. Engage the mind. Engage them. Really did. And what he produced in those years? Wow. How many of his kids went to Valley Forge? I'm just telling you. And again, he wasn't, he wasn't demonstrative. Wasn't demonstrative at all. Loved God. A man of prayer, a man of the word, but not, not very, not flamboyant, not, 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 none of that. But what he produced, because he was not a shallow man. And he was able to minister to teenagers in a way that was not shallow. And these kids grew up knowing God and understanding what a real Christian is and what really walking with God is. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. But if we want to avoid shallowness, we've got to be committed to the Word of God. We just read how the Word of God builds us up, makes us strong, makes us healthy. It's the Word of God that educates. It's the Word of God that, that, that heals. It's the Word of God that matures, that renews our minds and instructs and inspires our faith. The Word of God is able to edify and enrich us. And the spiritual leader must spend time daily in the Word of God in prayer. Again, can't give what I don't have. I commit them through prayer. I pray for them. Pray for your children. Pray for your loved ones. If you teach a Sunday school class, don't just throw that thing together. Saturday night, throughout the week, you pray for those kids. You pray for those entrusted to you. And then you give them the Word of God. You give them substance. Even if they're five years old, you can bring it down to their level where they're learning the Word of God. Oh, my goodness. Commit them through prayer and give them the Word of His grace. The Word of His grace. Not the Word of His judgment. They were said it. The Word of His grace. The Word of God's favor. Explain the great salvation. Explain the wonderful mercies and benefits they have as a child of God. He says, commit it. Deposit it in them. Place it in them. Impart it in them. Peter, feed my flock. Build them up to be healthy and strong. Let's look at our verses. Ephesians 4. Look at 12 through 14. Ephesians 4. And this is very important. This, this is the will of God for His church. This is the will of God for you and I. The previous verse, Paul had just written how the Lord Jesus... I'm going to know it's Jesus' church. Amen? It's His church. He purchased it with His blood. It's His church. And He put in His church five ministries. And the role of these ministries are to do this, to prepare or equip. Equip God's people for works of service. All right? So that the body of Christ, of all the believers, Christians, we may be built up. It's the will of God that you and I are built up, that strong, not torn down, but built up. Amen? Built up until we reach unity in the faith. Unity. And here it is. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become not shallow, not just emotional, but we become what? Mature. I know that book if you're going to become mature. 
Got to spend some time in God's presence. You're going to become mature. Isn't that right? Got to have some dying to self if we're going to become mature. Isn't that true? We got to say, ouch, amen. We got to say it all if we're going to be mature. Some of the old Joe got to pass away if I'm going to be mature. And if some grace wants to grow, growing pains in the spirit. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Being mature, growing full. Look at this. Here's here's the key. Here's one of the big reasons God wants you to grow mature. Here's one of the big reasons God does not desire shallow people. So his leaders can't be shallow. And they have to prepare properly so they can give a good meal. Amen? You, you, can't, just, you can't just live on spiritual Oreos. Isn't that right? You've got to have some steaks and potato, man. You've got to have some, something to energy in you. Unless you if you're going to be healthy. Because then, then, when we're mature, when we're built up, amen, when we've overcome shallowness and maturity, then we're no longer, then we will no longer be infants. You mean you can be in the church and be an infant? It just said so. If you don't eat no word, if you don't grow up, if you're just an emotional, isn't that right? You know what I mean. I mean, I can play with this. It's so easy to play with. You know, don't preach more than 20 minutes and go home and watch a three-hour basketball game. My God, can we get more carnal than that? Come on, say amen. I mean, we've got to get real somewhere, somewhere along the line. Anyway, then we will no longer be infants. Infants, you see, infants, you know, infants are easy to take, aren't they? You can fool them, can't you? That's why the church is so gullible, because so many are still infants, haven't grown in that word. I'll never forget my cousin Tony. Yeah, cousin Mario, cousin Tony, you know, Italian family. Cousin Tony. We were watching one of them football games, Leo, that, that, that replays, all right? But I was only about six years old. And so I didn't know the game took place five years earlier. What did I know? I thought it was real. And I'm rooting for my team. Of course, he knows who's going to win. But you know, he's got 20 years older than me, you know. And he goes, hey, I bet you a quarter that what's his name, team wins. And I go, no way. My team's winning. It was ahead by about 20 points. And my cousin Tony took me for a quarter. Hey, man, I'm, you know, I was only five years old. I'm rooting. And then just, but he knew who won the game. It's easy to take a child, isn't it? It's easy to, see, it's easy to uh, uh, toss back and forth. It's easy when you're spiritually immature. To run after this and run after that, and get and get this, you know deceived about this, and get and what what, what you know what what children do and you see this in the church, children go crazy over the happy meal. That little signet ring is worth ten cents. You're paying big money to get the the, the junk, right? But they want it. They'll put value on things. Spiritual, immature people put value on sensational things, emotional things. You know, the in things, what's that thing? Or the faddish things. And somewhere along the line, just a good, solid meal that'll grow you up and make you like Jesus. It don't taste that good. I'll have another bag of lazy potato chips that I don't want to eat. Get that broccoli out of here. Ah, no, I can't have any spinach. I might put some spiritual iron in me. And what what about the iron? Amen? Woo! It's right in the book. Right in the book. The reason he gives us all these ministers is so they can minister to the body. 
And the goal is to bring a unity and a maturity and a completeness to us, a well-roundedness to us, to make us mature and strong so that we can't be taken by the world. We can't be deceived by every wind of doctrine. So that we'll grow up to have a spiritual sensitivity. You've got to be able to discern. Isn't that right? One of the things you try to do with your kids is bring them to the point where they can properly um, um, dis- disintegrate. What do you call it? Um, and there's a negative when, when you're um, prejudiced against something. But to be able to do that in the natural is a good thing. Distinguish between things. Decipher good or bad, better or best. And you're trying to bring God's people to be able to discern what really matters and what doesn't matter. What is of value in God's sight? What is this a temporal? Then we will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Man, there's a lot of winds of teaching out there. And by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Wow. The only way to be able to discern that and not be hoodwinked by that is to know that book and to grow spiritually mature that you begin to create mature appetites. You can have a childish appetite, am I right? They don't want that porterhouse. I'll just have McDonald's french fries. I mean, you know, you got you can. And in the spirit, you see the same thing. Watch one of them crazy Christian talk shows for an hour and a half. I can't pray for 15 minutes. I'm just saying. What that, all that does, it shows us the lack of maturity of where we've come. Come on, you can say amen. Or I say, he's right. I don't like it, but it, it is how it is. Let me get back to my notes. I'm just, oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look, if you would, very quickly. 1 Peter 2 and 2. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Glory to God. Glory to God. We close this thing out. Like newborn babies. He says, don't be like a baby, but he's trying to get to the fact, you know, when a baby's hungry, everybody knows it. Amen? Isn't that true? Remember them babies? When They don't care if it's 3 in the morning. When they're hungry, the world's going to know about it. All right? So in the same way, have that same kind of spiritual hunger. You know, a baby has a natural hunger, and when it hits them, it hits them, and they want it now. All right? Have that. And the Spirit, get hungry for God. In the Spirit, get more of a hunger for God than all these other temporal things. Amen? And like that newborn craves and desires milk from Mama, well, in the same way, let's get a craving in our heart for the milk of God's Word. For the word of God, crave pure spiritual milk. We have to pray God help us to come into mature appetites. Mature appetites. Mature appetites. You ever try to talk to a Christian that don't want to talk about the things of God? You start to scratch your head and wonder. They talk about anything under the sun. The things of God they're not interested in. You're wondering like, what encounter with Jesus did you have? Right? Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. Grow up in your salvation. Just because you, when you get saved, don't stop there. Grow up in your salvation. Hallelujah, you got saved. That is the most important thing, but don't stop there. Now grow up in your salvation. How do you do that? The milk of the Word. 
Feed on that Word. Love that Word. Take in that Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll give you one more. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Isn't God good to us? I want you to see this. This is an exciting verse. An exciting verse. It shows us how the Word of God actually works in your life as you believe it. Wow. You take that Word of God in you, there's divine life released in you. Wow. That same Word that spoke in the worlds came into order. You take that Word in you, you take that Word by faith, it releases the work in God's power in you. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the Word of God which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God. It's the first thing I'm going to receive that word. I'm going to believe that's God's word. I'm going to believe that's God's word. Amen? i got to believe that's God's word. I don't believe that's God's word. How am I going to have faith to receive from it? But if I believe that's God's word, and when I read it and I receive it, I am receiving a word from God. But as it actually is the Word of God. Now look at these last few, these last two lines. Which is at work. That word work is one of the Greek energy words. Energia or something like that. But it's an energy word. It means energy. Divine life is released. It's at work in you. You know, you can have something in you with the potential for, like a battery. You can put a battery in your pocket. It doesn't do anything. It's dead. Now you hook that battery up to something. There's a lot of power in there. It could do damage. See, the Word of God just, is not to be just stagnant sitting there. It's alive. And it's which at work when you believe it. When you believe that Word, and you accept that Word, and you respond to that Word, that releases the working of the, the power of that Word. You begin to, that's it. You begin to believe, I am forgiven. You begin to believe, I am a new creature. You begin to believe, I have wisdom from above. You begin to believe, the Lord is my shepherd. Woo! Oh, i got peace that passes under. I, you, if you believe that, it comes alive in you, man. It becomes real. And all of a sudden you know you become different. You become different. Why? That word's at work. That word is releasing divine power in you as you read it and believe it. Read it and receive it. Obey it and walk in it. In the power of God. Hallelujah. It'll change your thinking. It'll change your emotions. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your speech. Glory be to God forever and forevermore. And Paul winds this thing up. He says, oh, I commit you. I commend you to God and into the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and I love that, and give you an inheritance. That word inheritance is a neat word, isn't it? I like that word. Now, unlike most of you all, well, most of us blue-collar people, we don't have no inheritance coming to us in the natural. I mean, I wish I did. Amen. That would be nice, but you know, <laughs> you, know you are what you are. But, um, but I'll tell you, when it comes to the things of God, I want you to see that before I close up, because we won't get back to this. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Look what this other thing the word does. Not only is the word of God going to transform your life, it's going to help you enter in to the inheritance of your salvation. The fullness of your salvation. Build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. Divine blessings and benefits and privileges now and then. The inheritance. you got an inheritance in Jesus. Amen. 
And it's the Word of God that helps you understand that and help you enter into that. You have an inheritance from the Lord. I mean, you got one right now. Not, you're getting one then, of course, but you got inheritance right now. You know, it's the Word of God that helps you to walk in that inheritance. Man, I've seen people through the years radically changed. I mean, their testimonies just blow you away. And sometimes they got touched by the power of God at an altar and just supernaturally. Other times they said, just been walking with God. One day I was reading my devotions and all of a sudden that scripture just came alive to me. And since then, I've never had that problem. Since then, all of a sudden it's like something just lifted from me. What's happening? That word's bringing them into their inheritance, bringing them into their victory, bringing them into enjoying more of what Jesus purchased. Glory be to God forevermore. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us as leaders to be diligent and not careless, to take our responsibility and our duty seriously. Help us, Lord, to watch ourselves that we might faithfully watch those you've entrusted to us, to guard, to guard our doctrine, to guard our lives, to guard those you have given us. Help us to remember the people that you have brought into our lives to feed us and teach us and mentor us. Thank you for the pastors we've had, the Sunday school teachers we've had. Thank you for those brothers and sisters in the faith that we've learned from. Leaders that have spoken to our lives and leaders who have given us an example that even today we're still inspired and encouraged by. And Lord, help us as leaders never to be a shallow people. But give us a hunger and thirst to grow and be a spiritually healthy and mature people that we can impart real spiritual life to those you've given us. That we can be those that commend people to you through prayer and that speak a word to those you've given us that will build them up and lift them up and make them strong and vibrant in thee. Now, Father, bless these dear ones. Give them a week of rejoicing. Give them a week of fresh revelation and use them mightily in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God bless you. Have a great night. Sister Brown.